Athleter Podcast. We are back. Derek Moore, thank you so much for, for coming on and, and, and taking a little bit of time out of your day, number one. But number two, I have so many questions about you and, and, and the CBU program and your processes more specifically. But why don't you do this first? You have a pretty unusual road to NCAA wrestling, coaching it wise. Um, why don't you give everybody a little bit of backstory as to how you kind of became the head coach of a Division One school in Southern California? Yeah, I mean, it is. A, it's been a wild ride for sure. Um, I, I just, uh, I look at my entire life, whether it's wrestling career or coaching, and just, and feel like it's very very entrepreneurial, if you will. You know, I'm from Redding, California. It's in the north section, not the toughest area of California wrestling at all. Um, took fifth in the state, was the best I did. Walked on to UC Davis underneath Lenny Zaleski, who three-time Hall of Fame coach, uh, wrestler under Dan Gable. He brought, you know, brought me on, poured into me, went undefeated as a national champion my senior year to win a national title. And, but I had to walk on to UC Davis, so I I uh, applied and got accepted for an ROTC scholarship, meaning that they paid for my undergraduate degree, and I owed them four years of active duty service when I was done competing and getting my degree at Davis. So right after Davis, went into the Army, trained for nine months to be a field artillery officer. During that time, after winning a national championship, I applied for the WCAP got accepted and went up to Colorado Springs with Sean Lewis and the world-class athlete program, which was primarily Greco at the time. I was the lone freestyler at the start of the 2012 quad in 2008. I got there and the Olympic training center, you know, it's Terry Brands and that whole crew it was amazing. After 2008, it, it emptied out a little bit. Brandon Slade took over with Zeke Jones and I stayed there and trained as they rebuilt the um, RTC training process. And, it was a great opportunity for me to compete overseas, um, you know, train and represent the U.S. And, and the Army, but struggled to stay healthy in that time. Folk style was definitely more my style, as much as I love wrestling as a whole. And um, ultimately, after qualifying for the Olympic trials, didn't didn't make the team. Had a one point match with Coleman Scott at the Schultz before. Um, it was back when those rules were just a little bit crazy with the two two two. I call uh, it the dark ages, but go ahead. Dark ages for sure. I, you know, you can't right? Like we we're gonna look back on that in years and go, what were we thinking? How are you Golly. taking points away from wrestlers? I just I killed it killed me killed me. Do, do you remember I, the and and look, God bless him for trying, right? Like I mean, but do you remember the half takedown was a point for like a six month period? There was 2013 where everything started to change, and they were like. Yeah, what well, if you get to a leg, you get a point. What? <laughs> With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Bananas. Yeah. yeah. 
just wild. I don't know who's who's on that on that you know the board of the decision making process, but yeah, there was some some hard times. I love where it is right now for sure, but yeah. technique and talent, uh, you know, genetic gifts were never my thing. I, you know, I was the tallest, skinniest wrestler of any weight class that I ever wrestled at, and so. I had to grind people out and get them tired. And, you know, when you, you could go two, 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 it just didn't really fit for, for my schedule, for my, my style, but I loved the time. I loved the opportunities. And, you know, I found some success in college and I found a, a little bit of success and some failures, but now as a coach, it allows me to look back and lean on those and help pour into athletes who, who go through some of those challenges. Hopefully don't have it. You know, the goal is to not have any regrets. Whatever we do, we go out there and leave it all out there. So after the 2012 Olympic trials, I, I wanted to see if, if the military was going to be my life. You know, I loved the military. It was a great opportunity. And so I went into a deployable unit as a field artillery officer, served for uh, about a year, was going to do a deployment, but I had a torn ACL that I tore in about eight months before the Olympic trials that I needed to have fixed. Ultimately, when they went in there, they needed to do two surgeries. I wasn't able to go on the deployment. And I really felt like that was God's hand in my life saying, you know, maybe this, this isn't for you. And I started missing wrestling a ton. It was the first time in my life I had never had wrestling. So I decided to put some feelers out there with Brandon Slay and Zeke. And an opportunity opened up on the East Coast, uh, Sacred Heart University. It was by far the most struggling Division One institution in America when it came to wrestling. There were only five wrestlers on the team. And a lot of them struggled, you know, to even be competitive on, on, on any team. And so we had a big recruiting class coming in. Andy Lozier had stepped in the year prior to rebuild that. And I, I decided to believe in him and trust him and his vision, an amazing man, to go out and try to rebuild this Division I program with limited resources. We had one and a half scholarships, $60,000 a year to go to school there. And um, it was a great opportunity for me as a first coaching job to understand how to be resourceful. When you're not, when you don't have very many. Boy, that is a gentle way of putting it. That is well put, sir. <laughs> Resourceful, indeed. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Let's yeah. just circle that. Okay. Well, oh, we boy, tried boy. everything, and our goal was to get some buy-in from the administration. You know, if these guys are willing to work this hard, and they're given this small pocket of resources, what if we give them a little bit more and see what they can do with and. After four years, we realized it wasn't really about that um, as much. Uh, and so we both decided to move on at the same time. Um, there probably was an opportunity for me to take over as head coach as Andy was leaving, but I wanted to go to a school where there was a little more accountability, a little bit of a little bit more resource, a little bit more opportunity to build and grow. But I learned a ton from Andy, a ton from that that situation, and, and I loved my time there. But I was coming back home to California for a Hall of Fame banquet at UC Davis being inducted to the Hall of Fame. And honestly, I never thought I would actually accept that. But at the time, new athletic director, new president, I saw it as an opportunity to share with them what wrestling was and to kind of open their ears to what wrestling still could be there during that, um, that banquet. And so it was a great opportunity to go back and be recognized and share with them. And maybe someday they'll start that back up and hopefully some seeds were planted. But, you know, we'll see how, how that goes. Coach Zaleski looks over at me and says, hey, by the way, you know, there's an opportunity here. We're going to take this team Division One. I. I think it might be a good time for you to, to come and take a look at it. And CBU sounded like a small school. That wasn't really what I was looking after being D1 to come to a D2 program. But as a favor to him, I decided to come and take a look at it. And when I came down here, I was blown away. It was nothing of what I thought it was going to be. 
the investment from the institution um, was just amazing from a resource standpoint, the facilities, the vision, the growth that they have here, as well as the, the faith-based atmosphere. Uh, there was a time in my life where I was really growing in my faith, growing to know the Lord. And when I came here and, and the athletic director prayed with all of the staff and coaches and saw what type of experience it was going to be to be a coach at this university, I, I felt called and drawn here. And I knew that this is where um, I was meant to be. And so I, I gave Coach Z a call and, and we found a way to work it out. And I think it was spring of 2017. I made the move out from the East Coast back to the West Coast, pretty much sold everything and just came out with suitcase, moved in with Coach Z and um, started my life that finally back in California after what was that? Uh, six, almost 10 years being out of California into the military and coaching on the East Coast. And we took a D2 team, took third of the nation, had three division two um, finalists and a champion that last year. We were the most successful division two program in the nation. We won the Learfield Cup. So all the athletics here was really successful in division two. And so it was time for them to make the jump. It was always a plan for the president after five years to make the move. And I didn't realize how hard that was going to be. Oh, Maybe it was yeah, that was, that's the line of questioning I was going to follow, sir. Oh, you think you want to go D1, don't you? <laughs> well, I love I love being D1. I, just four years of no postseason is insane. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is wild. Um, for some sports, maybe it makes sense. You know, in basketball, you have the NIT, you have these other tournaments. And in football, you can still go and, and do some things. But in, in wrestling, the Olympic sports, when you remove a conference and a national title, you remove everything you're training for, really, at the end of the year. You know, sure. you're, you're removing that, that, that golden ticket and that opportunity. And so recruiting was a challenge during that time, to, to say the least. But we had some great young men commit to being a part of building this, a part of this program during the time. And we went out and just competed and built and poured into them as best we can, looking towards the future of where we are right now. Yeah. yeah. So, but, but now that you do have the Big 12 championships and the, and the NCAA tournament to dangle the carrot in front of these kids' faces, what, is the, what, are, what are the challenges that you've had to deal with that you didn't have to deal with at Division Two level. Obviously, the the level of competitiveness is one. The resources between the haves and have-nots in Division One, um, the parity across the division is night and day. D two, I think we had ten different national champions that year from ten different schools, and mm. the team race is competitive. And there's a, just a little bit different um, environment to be a brand new D2 program and only be in our fifth year and to be pushing towards a title shows us given the, the resources, you know, you can make it happen. And that's kind of, that's very similar to D1, but the amount of resources you need at D1 to be competitive is a lot different than D2. Um, mm. And the, the recruiting road is a bit more intense in D2. The model was more so wait a little bit towards you know spring of their senior year and see who's not quite going d1 has the ability or pick up those who are coming back from d1 that maybe didn't quite want that level of competition and so mm -hmm. we were able to pick up some good transfers we were able to grab some guys late when money was was tight at the d1 level now it's it's much different you have to recruit early you have to get on them early you have to make the offers early and you have to to build those relationships earlier and very consistently and so there's definitely a lot more to the to the picture from the recruiting standpoint um, at a D1 than, than the D2 level. 
And, you know, I think everyone's seeing what's happening with NIL and the, the haves from the have-nots with the Big Tens and, and yeah. big, big 12 programs. That's that's going to be challenging for mid-majors for us as we look to build. Even, I mean, you see, you see it all over with Cal Poly and Bernie Truax. And even, John's doing a great job of trying to develop that NIL, but – yeah, but you, you, but it's it, it becomes a. I don't want to say uh, I don't want to say impossible situation, but it, it 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 becomes a very simple decision for a young man, uh, and and like I talk to my son about it all the time, you know, because you know he he loves you know you know one of his favorite wrestlers is Parker Keckheisen. Hmm. Okay. just because Parker spent some time rolling around with him. Uh, at a tournament one time whatever so the point is though that he's like well why can't everybody just be like parker and stay at a you and i when there have been six figured offers on the table for him to go somewhere else i go because parker's crazy and guess what you take that deal bud <laughs> you know and it's you know and i say it half in jest because there is um there's a lot to be said for the the loyalty that parker's shown and and also and also um the the investment in relationships that he's made like that's a big deal dude but there's a quarter million dollars on the table and shane griff's going to take it well i can't really blame him it's hard to blame him right so so how are you dealing with that man it's freaking tough it, it, it is, and it's the nature of who we are. I think the more you try to fight it, the more you're going to rip your hair out. Honestly, it, it is who you are. And if, and if we're able to develop guys up to that level to where they are competitive, you know, we have a conversation and do we have a strong enough relationship to keep you here? Can we find a way to raise the money enough so it makes sense you don't feel like you're losing out too much? Or is it a, a buildup and, and, and good luck? And so for us, we, for me, for my staff, we try to build those relationships and do the best we can to pour into them. And ultimately, if it comes down to it, the opportunity just makes too much sense. Then, I, you know, it was the same thing with, with John and then Bernie and, and, you know, and so you try to do what you can as a coach to give them the ability to succeed in everything they can in, in your home environment but yeah if if ultimately that money is too much and the opportunity is too big for them you know you've got to let them let them fly and make their own decisions and that's that's kind of where we are with transfer portal and yeah. nil especially with mid-major and smaller programs like us it's gonna they're gonna continue to pull from the top of those who have proven themselves within you know recruiting the high school guys continues to be a, a bigger risk than those who have proven themselves in college yeah. Uh, I I also I think that that is going. I'm going to digress from that because I, I, I we just we we kick the crap out of nil on this on the show a lot. So I, I want to digress from that. One of the things that really piques my interest about CBU, but also really Derek Moore individually, you have an incredible ability to identify talent. Now you will you're going to tell me that you pawn that off on your assistants now more so than, than you have in the past, but that directive has come from you. It's the, it's not easy going, okay, this kid may not be the best kid in the country and he might not have the eyeballs of the Penn States, the Iowa's the whatever on him, but dang it, there's something there. And how do you do that? How do you, how do you, what, 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 boxes does a kid have to check in order for him to really you to pursue a kid like 
Paul Kelly? Yeah, you know, for me, it's it's a few different things. Character and, and fight are kind of two main things that I like to start with is character and fight. You know, who are you as a young man? Can I trust you and you trust me? And then do you have this innate desire to just fight? And, you know, when I was doing a lot more of the recruiting under Coach Z, you know, finding a guy like Mitchell Messenbrink, who is just attacking more than anyone I've ever seen attack and loves wrestling more than anyone that I've ever met in my entire life. It, it's there's a connection there and you see it and he hadn't hit, you know, he hadn't done really anything outside of a Wisconsin state title before he had kind of really blown up. And, and, and so just looking for some of those key elements and, and I, I just love this sport so much. And when, if I can find a young man that can communicate about this sport, how much he loves it, how much it, he identifies with it, and how much he loves to learn technique, I think is the other piece for me because I was such a technician. It's something that I really, really look for. MJ Gaetan, you know, when, when he committed here before he had won Super 32 and beat Levi Haynes, just his mindset around technique and how, how Matt savvy he was was just something really, really <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Fun a smart wrestler and he was a little different that he wasn't the most aggressive but when he got in wrestling positions you could just see the way that he moved his natural habits were just so innate to him that i was like man i would just love to work with this guy see what we can do to continue to give it to him um paul kelly's been a unique thing where i've i've known him for so long since we recruited his older brother and he was in eighth grade but you can just see on his face how much he loves this sport. Win or lose, he fights the entire time. And it's been fun to see him develop in his technique. And that's going to be the main thing for him is what can we give him the tools necessary. But the one unique thing about CBU that helps me and helps all of us in our recruiting process is its name, California Baptist University. It is self-filtering in nature because of the faith-based atmosphere. The character piece is already built in. If you are coming to it, you want to party hardy and, and Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, or what you're looking for, you're just not going to call me back, or you're hopefully going to be respectful enough to know that this is not going to be what you're looking for. So that mm -hmm. helps helps us a little bit, kind of narrow the pool, and then make it about you, your love of the sport, your character as an individual, and your, your ability to fight in the third period and a lot of the guys that we're looking at are losing those really close matches um, to the to the top talent guys they're they're right there at super 32 or iron man and we're funneling through those brackets of, of who was really close and who didn't give up when they were losing who continued to throw the kitchen sink at them despite losing where your effort isn't dependent on your situation your effort is your effort no matter what and if that's the case i believe you can do something with those kids um, when they're not changing how they fight, how they how they wrestle, or their mindset dictating, you know, their effort levels. And if we can put a team of of ten guys out there that fight no matter where they're at, um, I believe I can we can give them the technique, and they're going to continue to grind in the room until until they figure it out. For sure, no question. So you said character and fight. What other thing? So. To someone like me, or maybe maybe not like me, maybe somebody that's uh, a little bit further removed from the sport. I'm I'm in there every day. I see this this stuff on a pretty intimate basis. Somebody that's a little bit more removed from the sport. What are some of the characteristics of fight that you're looking for? Are you just like because it's not just about 
the way that they compete in a third period? Are you looking for back end, right? Back end of the bracket, right? Like, do they go semi-slide? Um, what what other things are you what 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 is something that a, a novice coach can look for in an athlete and say, ooh, ooh, he's got some fight in him because he did this? Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a few different things for me that I, I talk with our athletes about. It is it's not being fearless, it's being courageous. So you're always gonna have nerves, you're always gonna have anxiety, but still that courage to go out and take a shot against a guy that's higher ranked than you or that you're supposed to lose against and not being afraid of making a mistake or getting taken down and willingness to come up and not just accepting your place on a piece of paper. You know, it's, it's you, everybody has weapons. You're out here wrestling, your coach, you're teaching weapons. How are you executing those without being afraid of making a mistake out there? I think that's, for me, that's fight. The more that you can go out there and throw the weapons that you have at your opponent, and then use your failure excess in that execution to grow, the, the, the faster you will grow and will develop. But the more that you are hesitant and you're afraid to score or make mistakes, you won't make those mistakes. And so you won't correct those mistakes. And so that, that courage to go out there and execute. But then, yeah, that third period, when you get tired, what are you doing? How are you, you, you hustling and not, not afraid to get tired? I think the two biggest fears in the sport of wrestling are fear of making a mistake, and fear of fatigue and getting tired. And those are the two biggest inhibitors of athletes going out and executing to their potential. And if you can remove those two things and embrace them instead, you have fight, you have grit, you have perseverance, you have the ability to put yourself oh, in a situation. To that's well put, sir. That is well put. Because we didn't, you know, everyone knows that the fear of exhaustion is a thing. Kids, are, there are certain kids, and, and if we're going to be honest, like that is one of the reasons that a lot of kids, you know, you hear kids that are practice room heroes. Well, the, it could be that they're afraid of, of making a mistake in a match and combined with the fear of getting exhausted in a match and then making a mistake. But yeah, that is really, really well put. You have started to build some kids that are pretty courageous guys that are want, that you're starting right like you had to start somewhere right and mm -hmm. that's fine but i like this kid elijah griffin okay that kid has a little bit of a snarl to him he's got a little bit of fight to him he was hey listen i introduced myself to him i think this past weekend and he was plum pissed off that jory volk was not in the lineup plum pissed off that he like that tells me like oh this kid wants to fight this i like this kid talk to me a little bit about the development of a kid like elijah griffin yeah eli has um all the ability to go and be a national champion for sure um he's got the mindset for it he's got the support he's a young man that that loves to fight he's in the room and he's a guy we, we have to maybe reel back a little bit um sometimes and it's it's a it's a pleasure because you know that he loves it as much as we love it and you can lock arms and go hand in hand for him it's it's going to be a technical growth piece continue to keep him in good position um he was a four-time state champ out of oklahoma at Casha hall much smaller program and so um the technical development for him is where he is going to make his massive gains because he has the fight. He's not afraid to get tired. He's going to throw the kitchen sink at you. He struggled a little bit just to stay healthy. Um, some freak accidents his first couple of years. And even 
um, that, that Iowa match, he, you know, he hit his head a little bit and, and ended up, you know, having to, to, to recover from that. But he wants to go out there and fight and he wants to wrestle the best and he wants to have the opportunity to be tested for sure. And so for us, it's a matter of continue to hone in that passion that he has, that love he has, that leadership quality he has, and build his technical. He would, he would rather wrestle every single day for an hour than, than, than sometimes work on some of the, t- the technique because he just loves his sport so much. And so it's a matter of getting together with him, mm-hmm. focusing on the fine details of it and where he needs to grow. And, and, and he's going he's gonna to start to hit some strides here. The second year of college, Especially after that Wyoming, when he got caught there after you know getting takedown after takedown, he's he's fired up right now, and he, he's even this weekend he's like, I, I, every match opportunity to compete because he doesn't have to compete maybe at, at Vanguard every red over. He's now I want to weigh in, I want to be there, I want to scrap, and so it's a, it's it's a lot of fun to continue to work with this guy, and he, he raises the level of the room. Everybody sees him. He's the one running around. We say all right, walk it out, cool down. He's still running, you know. Um, and so it's it's great, and you see the guys rise up with him. So I'm um, I'm excited for him this year. Just keeping him healthy is going to be the key. Some small technical developments in, in a few areas, uh, and he has he has the ability to go and win a national title. You you talk about things that you look for in your wrestlers of character and fight and you know desire to learn, and you know these aren't exactly things that you are able to just pull up the top 100 list and see, oh, this person fights or not. Um, how do you, one, go about identifying those traits? And two, do you think that it makes your job as a recruiter more difficult than if you were at Penn State, where they can just pull up, oh, top 100, I'll pick one, two, three, and four? 100%. It, it takes more. It takes a lot more time to watch the videos. It's not just where do you place and where are you ranked. Those are initial identifiers to find a name on a sheet. And then you got to take that name and find those qualities that you're looking for by watching more than one video and not just when they're winning, but especially when you're, they're losing. Where are they losing and how are they losing are really important to me because I truly believe that losses are where you make most of your gains and your attitude and how you um, how you look at those losses are really, really important. Is it where did I lose, where did I go, or is it poor me, you know, I, I suck, or this and that, or self-deprecating situation? With If you can embrace that process of challenging yourself and, and the hills and valleys that you go through on your way up. So it's talking with their coaches, it's talking with them, and it's watching a, a lot of video. But initially, yeah, Penn State, they've only, they only need to take a look at those top five, and they pick the one they want. You know, we're looking at the top 150 and we're finding the ones in those 50 to, to 150 that that fit our mold, that fit what we're looking for. And initially, you know, are, are you a faith fit? Are you willing to come to a faith based institution where um, learning about Jesus Christ is going to be a part of your, your culture? And there's no requirements here at CB, which I love. There's no judgment at all. We have guys on our team that are not believers and guys on our team that are believers. But having an open mind to it and being a part of, of our student experience is a piece of CBU. So it does decrease our pool significantly compared to a lot of other programs, which, you know, like I said, it, it is good and challenging at the same time. And so, you know, going through those lists, looking at those brackets, sometimes we'll look at a top 150 guy and we'll find a guy that beat him that isn't even on there. It's like, okay, where did this guy go and how did they lose? And, and so it's kind of going through the comb. Eric Morrill, 
is uh, a savant when it comes to recruiting. He loves it. He just he just dives into the recruiting. If that's all he did all day long, it'd be great. But I need some administrative help, so I got I got to give him some of those duties <laughs> as well, which he hates. Um, but uh, it's it's good for him. And so yeah, he's he's on the road. He's a, a road warrior. Loves getting out there and meeting people, and he, he just has a mind for who's beat who and where and who they are. And so we, we sit down and, and have our recruiting meetings each week of, of who we're looking at, where are they at, where are they competing, who do we need to reach out to and pour into, and, and what what do they do? And so it, it is challenging. It is a big piece of the job. I recruit. I believe recruiting is the number one needle mover in, in coaching. Um, and then and it's so, certainly the easiest way to make an immediate impact, right? I mean, you get one. You get one and, and and it could change your stars like it can change your the outcome of your ncaa finish in a big 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 way i mean at a at a at a macro level you look at a team like minnesota and they're probably not in the top 10 right now however if a young man named gable Stevenson comes back Hmm, that's a very different thing. Okay. So it takes one athlete. Okay. And it can completely change the outcome of your season. How do you get them to stay? And I know I'm touching on a nerve here. It's not easy to talk about, but you had Messenbrink in the room. He gets scooped away from you. You had Guy Tan, who's a local kid. He gets scooped away from you. How do you build? How, how do you build? Like, dude, I got to be honest with you. The fact that you're as positive about this stuff as you are is crazy to me. I would be, I would be thrown a fit, you know, because you did a lot of that front end work with these kids and someone else is reaping the rewards. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, it's, it's not easy. It's some of the, probably the hardest times as a coach and, you know, each one of those those two young men were, were very different in kind of the process of how it happened. Um, but it's a lot like the sport of wrestling where nothing is guaranteed and every match is a new opportunity for, for a win or a loss. And I think wrestling teaches you to take those L's as good as you can and try to find something good from it or an adjustment from it and, and make that adjustment to the next. You know, I, I truly think in the area that we're in, you know, you try to build the strongest relationship you can with these kids and help them trust and believe in you as much as as much as you can. When it comes to those NIL deals, though, it's like you said, sometimes it just it's common sense. It's 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 money that's future making the kids blue collar sport like wrestling have never seen families have never seen. And how do you how do you keep them? And when it comes to I mean, Mitchell. I think Mitchell's was a little much a little bit different than than MJ's in that when he came here, it felt like he had already known that it wasn't going to be for him. And so I respect him to that degree that he still came here and gave it a go. And but in, it it felt in his heart, it felt to us that in his heart, even after a week, you know, he was saying that he was homesick. He just spent the entire summer gone. And so it was, it wasn't that you were homesick. It was that you knew that, you know, you, you, you had an opportunity. You had some conversations with coaches since you won the U S open. And, and I, and I, since he won, yeah, he, he medals at the world championships. He's going to get a phone call. Yeah. There's just no way uh, in this world. There's just, you know, it is what it is. You know, he's, he is one of those guys that will be able to move the needle and coaches are going to find a way to communicate with him. And so, you know, that, that was, that was tough. MJ was way harder for me, to be honest. Um, really? I had built a really strong relationship 
with MJ and his family being so close. I coached him at the junior duels and, you know, he had scripture on his, on his wall in his room. I just really felt that this was a, a special fit. His, his technique was so similar. A lot of the stuff he'd come to clinics to that we had worked on together. Um, that when, when he had made that, that was the hardest week of my life for coaching. I actually broke down crying in front of coach Zaleski when we had a meeting after that, that I'm like, what am I doing here? I put all this work in to this young man and, and into this program. And is this for me? I, I really, I, that was the hardest week of my life. I don't know. I, I, you know, you ask yourself, did I do something wrong? What could I have done differently? And it, it, you look back and it's like, no, again, this is these young men and their opportunities and their decisions and their families. But that was, that was tough. Um, and it was one of those things where you just got to rebound, let time heal the wound and, and go and find the next guy that believes in you, believes in your vision, believes in what you're building and wants to be an entrepreneur. I think for us, it's going to take us finding a kid who hasn't had it in high school, the success to a level and start to build them up a little bit more. We have a young man, Mateo De La Pena, a freshman at 165. It's really coming into his own, you know, got in on some great attacks at, you know, at Iowa, just wasn't able to finish, came back and got a pin um, against Wyoming. And so those type of young men that do more of their growth and development here, once they get here and see it and believe it, that we're going to be able to hold on to them a little more than a high schooler that goes and finds them that great success his senior year after committing and then starts to have different conversations and never really sees what they can do and build and be a part of out here. I'm uh, I'm going to let the audience in on a very intimate conversation that you and I have had. He called me up before Fargo and I forget what we were initially even talking about, but you're like, how's our boy Paul Kelly looking? And I'm like, good. I'm like, real good. He's working hard. And you go, but not too good, right? <laughs> <laughs> he ain't gonna go out there and thump everybody, is he? Because nah. they keep him under the radar. Can I say that? Can I say that? There's something to the effect of that. Yeah. I mean, but it's but dude, how can you not be scorned? How can you yeah. I mean, you know, how can it's, you not be? It's such a tough such a tough balance. You see these young men and you know what they're capable of and you know what you're gonna be able to do with them. But at the same time, for me, after seeing them and knowing and then them going and do it, it can be scary sometimes when they go and do what you know they can do because you don't know what other coaches are going to do. It's just the honest truth. And I I want the best for each of my recruits, obviously. No, it was said totally tongue-in-cheek. I can't – like, don't think that – no one listen, please, don't think the coach actually wished ill – upon one of his future athletes no that that that's not what was coming across i was we laughed about it yeah yeah it's like you know and paul's such a stud you know what he's gonna do he's gonna fight tooth and nail no matter what it's what i'm getting the stop fighting is the freaking problem right now okay um here okay go ahead i'm sorry does when you see your your kids having success does that start to kind of implant a seed in your mind of like oh man he just did well with this tournament, like our days are numbered. Like, do you, you have to start or think about a new recruiting process for any of these kids that are already on your team? No, no, I don't, I don't change. We don't change who we are. We recruit you and we, we try to be upfront and transparent. And you find the success, we tell them they're going to find, listen, you're going to commit here and you're going to go do what we know you're going to go do. You have a chance to go win Super 2. You have a good chance to go win Docky. You should be a three, four-time state champ. You should be a Fargo champion. And people are going to go call. And I hope that you remember this feeling right now of what you're what you're being a part of and how much we believe in you now. And we know what you're going to be, whether it happens in high school or it happens here. And I, and I hope you can commit to us like we commit to you. And 
you can't, yeah, you can't let the fear change how, how you treat them or who you are. It, it just is what it is and a part of the process. But you know, that's yeah. But like, then there's going to be the other end of the spectrum when you do get a couple, because here's that that becomes tricky too. Ask Michael Beard about it, right? Like, like there are programs out there, high level programs that are very upfront with saying, "Hey, we're going to recruit over you if we see a different." I mean, it just is what it is. So I think what's the commodity because i i truly believe that when all this covid year this sixth year stuff starts to fizzle out and we see guys go back to you know having five years of eligibility or you know four years of, of active eligibility um i think the the numbers that we see on these nil deals will significantly go down because they because they will have guys will have finish their degree at a place and have run out of eligibility. Um, that, that is not the case right now. So do you see, and, and maybe it's just me being a little bit more hopeful. Um, do you see relationships being more of a commodity in college wrestling in the future? Or is it, or, or are we just going to sell out to the, NIL gods. I think it's coach dependent, program dependent, culture mm. dependent. Um, you know, I yeah, the relate the relationship. I, I think for a team like us is is going to be the number one piece. But you get to the Penn States, the Okie States, the, you know, those are. It's gonna it's gonna be more of a, a finance thing. It's gonna be a performance based thing. It's gonna be do it. You know, coach you up or coach you know, coach you out type of thing. Where we're gonna find somebody else. Our my goal is to find somebody to pour into, like Coach Z poured into me. You know, I, I didn't I didn't find my success until my very last year, but continued to trust and have faith in him and 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 he and I. And I believe that was something special that will <clears throat> that transcends forever. I mean, it's what 15, 16 years out of out of college at this point and i just texted him right now about some things he's on my board for the rtc that that coach relationship that lasts the time your span in college it 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 goes forever and i, I think that's kind of the hard thing to see i feel like like bernie could have been a, a legend the most successful at cal poly you know he had he was building something and then he, it's all gone now and so what does that what does that mean for his relationship for cal poly for the rest of his life i, I don't know but you know for us, for me, for my staff, the relationship will, will be key. It will be what we build upon. And we're looking for young men that that want that as well as success and All-American ability and everything that you need to go and achieve your goals. But not if you don't do it in your first few years, you know, good luck. It's, you know, if it, if it, you know we're going to continue to pour into you. And our guys definitely 100% got to keep up. We're going to continue to recruit. Um, but I believe pouring into them and building that relationship, they're going to trust us and they're going to find a way to break through um, in time just with the number of guys that we have coming in, the level of guys that we have coming in, the recruiting class we have coming in. It's, it's, it's really exciting just to see the growth year over year of where this program can go and, and finding young men that, that want it like we want it. And that's the relationship that makes special for, for our guys. Well, I mean, let's be honest, right? Brett Favre's going in to the Hall of Fame as a Packer, not as a Viking, right? I mean, so so probably some distance 
behind that. Behind yeah. yeah, but that's true. Yeah, it does. It it does. Uh, it does sting a little bit. You For know, sure. When you when you develop a kid who didn't have a tremendous amount of success as a high school wrestler, you know, uh, and you develop him into a multiple time All American. Golly, that's gonna sting a little bit. And we talked to John quite a bit, and he's great. And he's, and he's great. Part. He is. There's no question. All right. So how how does a kid that is not on your radar? How does he go about getting your attention? Maybe it's not even your attention, but your staff's attention. Like, like how does he go? Like, man, I'm I'm right there. They haven't noticed me, but dang it, I'm close. How do I get how do how does someone get on your radar that maybe isn't on your radar yet? You know, for, for, we get so many emails, right? And that's the challenge sometimes is we'll we'll get we'll get emails and it won't be very informative. Um, or or or, 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 or um, it's like okay, just not quite there. But um, for us, you know, share with us, you know who you've beat or who you've almost beat or who are your close matches and share some video of, of you wrestling people that we're going to know. Um, it's challenging because a lot of those guys who aren't, aren't on that cusp, maybe haven't been to national tournaments or they're just in their region. Um, that makes it really challenging for us to evaluate. If you've only beat people within your state that aren't, aren't competing on a national level, it's not a, it's just really challenging for us to, to make that decision right there. Okay. This kid's worth investing time and looking into, Reaching out, expressing why you want to be a part of this team. I think the biggest challenge that I think we receive is once I see that it's a cookie cutter email that you've sent to 50 other coaches, it's it, um, it's deleted. For me, I just don't have the time that if you're sending something that you're sending to everybody. If you put in there a reason why you want to attend CBU or what makes CBU unique to you, uh, we're gonna we'll reach out, reach back out to you, and you know I'll look into you a little bit, or let my my assistant coaches look into you. Uh, yeah, sharing some of your accolades, or who are some of the tough guys you've been really close with, or and also some video of what you've done that shows your ability to wrestle. Um, that's key. It's, it's interesting though because we'll receive videos from kids, and, and the music in the background is like like rap songs with F bombs in it. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> you didn't think this through at all, did you, sir? <laughs> you, you're just saying this to everybody. And that, that makes it easy for me a little bit. <laughs> so, a little attention to detail goes a long way as well. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. They just got this cookie cutter, you know, just, uh, 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 I guess it's like a sizzle reel of their themselves that they just send to everybody. I didn't even think that was a, yeah, that's a thing, I guess in 2023. It's, it's a piece of it. Yeah. No, no. I, I just think there's a wrestling. We have we're rough around the edges and I, and I love that piece to it, but there's a certain degree where you just recognize when the professional meets the, mm -hmm. the, the fun and social. And I think you're recruiting, you know, put yourself out there to, to a faith-based institution. <laughs> Maybe you button it up a little bit. What do you think? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's finish with uh, with a couple of quick questions. Uh, I'm gonna fire at you, and I, I want you to answer them as quickly as possible. Try not to think too much. What is? Oh, what is the best wrestling shoe of all time? 
So I was never really a big shoe person, but um, the ones that I wore the most, I like the, it was Asics Varners, right? Oh, really? I like, every, no, not too many people liked them, but I love grip. I love okay. grip. And so they were all grippy all the way around. Those were, those were my favorite shoes that, that I wore. But to tell you the truth. Wait, 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 I'm, I'm, wait, wait, wait. They were Adidas. Wait, was Varners Adidas? Adidas? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Were they Adidas? Yeah. Like the all black ones? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, I think so. I'm gonna Google them over here. Okay, so I will tell you that while you're Googling that, I will yeah. keep the balls juggling right now. Oh, no. Here's no, the thing. The no, not the Varners. Not okay. The oh, you talking about the Rulons? Varners, yes. Those are them. Yep. Yes. Rulons. Yes. Okay. All right. That is not a crazy. Just not a side note. Varners. And if Jake Varner is listening, and I know that he is, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I like you, Jake. I wore your shoes for a while, but they just uh, no, no, no. But I will, I will come to bat and say I did like the Varners, um, but the, for whatever reason, whatever material the laces were made out of, they wouldn't stay tied for the for anything. Like you could have stapled them to my shin, and they wouldn't have stayed tied. So, you know, Adidas, work on it. Sorry. Yeah. On that note. Go watch my national championship. Um, I was not a shoe or wrestling. I knew nothing. I had double knee pads, a tornado headgear, and, I, and, and an ankle socks guy. Okay, so listen. When it comes to wrestling, I am the weirdo. My Dude, your wrestling swag is zero. I, <laughs> zero. No, oh, goodness. The shoes I wore at the national championships, I'd only had for a few weeks because my shoes had blown out. So I, you know, it wasn't a big thing for me. Dude, my son just hit me up for a pair of $258 EXEOs. And I'm like, what? What? Huh? Brush okay. up your resume, you know, you got to get that Yes. <laughs> Is it going to help you down block, son? Because if it ain't, I don't really care to. Drop a half, you know, a quarter grand on them. <laughs> All right, tornado, tornado headgears they get a bad rap, but they're real comfortable. Like, they were so comfortable and so mean. If you rub those on somebody, they're getting out of there, and there's your opportunity to go. True story. That's, that's why everybody hates them. Like everyone hates them because you don't want to drill with the person who's got the, the tornado no. headgear and they're just oh. rubbing it all over your face. But I never cared about what my opponents. Yeah. All right. Well. You guys are both jerks and fine. <laughs> okay. Um, if you had a magic wand and you could change one thing about the sport of wrestling, what would it be? Magic wand, I'd change one thing about the sport of wrestling. You know, I, honestly, I would I would just find a way for the – I just wish the rest of the, the country or the world – would know the, know the rules and understand them like they do basketball or football or something. Have, you know, in, in Russia, they just all know the rules and they love it. I just wish, hey, just know the rules, come out and watch, and you're you're going to love this sport because once you get into it, it's it's just so amazing and special and unique. I just – I wish that people knew it. They just don't. How are yeah. we going to educate the people to see this sport the way that we see it? So many people that once they get in, whatever sport that they were in, they're like, oh, I wish I had wrestled sooner. But sure. it's if nobody gives it a shot. And so I just wish I could wave a magic wand and you know the rules. Right. Now come and watch and you're going to enjoy this like the rest of us. Enjoy. Oh, that's interesting. I never really thought about that. Yeah, knowing the rules is a big deal, man. Huh. That's, huh. that's for me. That's what I wish. I like that. All right. Um, last one, probably the most difficult of the three. Who's on the Mount Rushmore wrestling? 
that's I don't think it's that bad difficult for me. You know, Jordan Jordan Burroughs is there. Um, you have to put John Smith mm -hmm. up there for sure. John W. You know, are we talking the wrestling piece, the coaching piece, the whole picture? I, we just just competition. It is up to you. So we have we have so many different answers for this. Like it's unbelievable. Um, you know, everyone puts the the coaching on Gable and Kale, the yeah. wrestling on JB. You know, so it's yeah. up to you. Yeah. But yeah. you so you got JB, you got John W. I got JB, I got John, you got Dan Gable. And mm -hmm. you know, for for me, and this is just more personal because of who he is. And this is probably uh, not a popular choice, but I just think that, that he's such a special guy and he continues to go right now is, um, you know, and this, everyone's going to hate me for this one, but I just believe I, I love Kyle Snyder. I just oh, see, I, I think Snyder. he, I think more people need to need to say that the I, dude has four, he has four and nobody even puts him on the list. He has four. Four and also, by the way, has a W over who might be. I mean, Satellite might go down as one of the greatest ever, ever. Period. The end. Yeah. You know, I I I remember watching Bubasar wrestle, but but the the ability, like positionally, I think Satellite might be the best wrestler I've seen in every single position, every <laughs> single one. He's, he's a freak. He is, you know? he is special. And yeah, and Kyle did it at such a young age, and he's such a, uh, an influence, a strong young man of faith that shows kids what it's like to, to do something, dedicate yourself. And uh, I just love that guy. No, he's great. He's awesome. Okay. Derek Moore, where can people find you if they need to get a hold of you? Um, where, uh, where should people be watching for CBU Wrestling? Yeah, so I mean, we're on all platforms at CB Wrestling on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, for me, I'm uh, Coach More One Four One or Train for More uh, on Twitter. You can watch us. We stream all of our uh, matches on Flow Wrestling as well as YouTube. But uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully you're looking for us at the NCAA tournament here this coming March for, for the first time. Uh, a Lancer gets to hone the singlet at the NCAA tournament now that we're a Division One program. And then look for us at the Big 12s this year, especially Eli Griffin's doing something special. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Coach. I really appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you talking to us for a little bit. Always a pleasure, Mike. Joel, great seeing you guys. Uh, I'll talk with you soon. And, yeah, Mike, I'm sure I'll see you soon. Talk very soon, Coach. All right. Thanks, Derek.